become our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The beginning of our faith. The beginning of our faith. And a reminder that Jesus is king and king alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles today, I will be bringing the word from Mark 11, starting at verse 1 through 10. I want us to go on this journey with Jesus. Allow your hearts to open up and receive his word and go on this journey with Jesus as we head to the cross, as we head into Easter. Mark 11, verse 1 reads, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethany and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a coat tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs something from each of us today. Give it generously with love and gratitude. Don't hold anything back. Let us be aware of what the Lord needs from us. Amen. Verse 4. As they went away and found a coat tied at the door outside the street, just like Jesus said, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying the coat. And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. How many of you know that the Lord clears the way for his people? He goes before his people to make their path straight, no matter the opposition, no matter the opposition. Verse 8, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others, others spread leafly branches that they had cut from the fields and those who went before and those who followed were shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David Hosanna in the highest hallelujah 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 the welcome king the welcome king. They gave Jesus a king's welcome. They gave Jesus a king's welcome. The people lined the road praising God, praising God, waving their palm branches and throwing their cloaks in front of Jesus as he passed by on a donkey. Cloaks were like hooded capes during that time. They would throw them, throw them out when he passed by. This version today 
And it says, and those who went before him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, the welcome king. Today, this version is like, for us, is like the red carpet, rolling out the red carpet for those that we think are worthy. But the red carpet can't compare to this. The red carpet is, is more of status. The more about status. This, this is more like a Savior's welcome. More like a Savior's welcome. Hosanna, Hosanna, the Savior is here. Hallelujah. The Savior is among us. Hallelujah. I think about when I was young thinking about a Savior's welcome. When I was a child, during the summertime home, uh, parents at work with my siblings. I'm the youngest of 12. So I'm what you call the do boy. They boss me around and tell me what to do. <laughs> but when 5 or 6 o'clock came and my parents walked through that door, hallelujah, what a feeling. What a feeling. I was safe. They could not boss me around anymore. The love, the protection, the love and the protection. There's no greater feeling as a child when your parents leave and return back to you. No greater feeling. Oh, man, no greater feeling. That love, that safety, that security, that security. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I tell you what. I don't know about y'all, but that's how I feel today and every day knowing that my Savior, Jesus, is with me. Hallelujah. 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 The love, the security, the protection. There's no greater feeling, no greater feeling than knowing that your Savior is with you. He protects you everywhere you go. We have to know that. We have to believe that, church. Psalms 4.8 says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Hallelujah. Nobody but the Lord will allow us to dwell in safety. Hallelujah. So if we can stand right now, I want us to, to give Jesus a king's welcome this morning. Hallelujah. Wave these palm branches as they did and give the king a king's welcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give him honor. Give him glory. Glory to you, almighty God. Glory to you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. We welcome you into our homes, Jesus. We welcome you into our hearts, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We welcome you among us. Almighty God. Almighty God. You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just honored the Lord. You just honored the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, for us as Christians, this is a reminder, a reminder of welcoming Jesus into our hearts and into our lives, church. It's a reminder and our willingness to follow him. 
a king's welcome, a savior's, savior's welcome. Knowing, knowing that our salvation, that our eternal life lies in our welcoming of King Jesus into our hearts and into our lives. Our salvation, our eternal life. May we welcome him. May we welcome him, church. The question for all of us, how will we welcome Jesus into our lives and into our hearts? And if we hadn't already, are we willing today to welcome him into our hearts, into our hearts, church? The Bible tells us that today, not tomorrow, today is the day of salvation. Today, hallelujah, Jesus is calling, church. Jesus is calling. He is calling. Welcome him. Welcome him. See, the people of Jerusalem welcome Jesus as king who comes in the name of the Lord. The Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament of Zechariah riding on a donkey. On a donkey. It reads, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout out loud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The humble king. The humble king. Jesus came into the city on a donkey, a coat, humble. He could have chosen a powerful horse. But during that day, the horse was a symbol of a king, of rulers, of wars. But Jesus came riding on the lowly a donkey, a symbol of peace. That was the transportation of the common people during that time. The transportation of a common people. Jesus came into the city as one of his own. He didn't present itself as being above anyone. Above anyone. The humble king. The humble king. It says he was humble and mounted on a donkey. But he was king, hallelujah. He was king. Says that those that welcomed Jesus that day had great expectations of their king, of their savior. Jesus. Crowds of people had already gathered along the road that led to Jerusalem. They were headed to the city for the Passover feast. See, the people knew the works of Jesus, church. They knew the works of Jesus. And when Jesus mounted that donkey and headed towards the city, the people then realized, they realized that he was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9-9. They knew Jesus 
Riding in was a clear sign to the people that he was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. And their expectations, their hopes of a Savior was being fulfilled. The people of Jerusalem had great, great expectations of Jesus. Great expectations. We have great expectations of Jesus. We have expectations for what we think God should do to make our lives better, safer, more enjoyable, right? If we're honest, just like those people that cheered Jesus on that day, we want to see justice over injustice. We want to see love over hate. We want to see prosperity over poverty. We want to see hope instead of despair. Healing over sickness and disease. Amen? On the other hand, do we use God's grace against him? Do we disobey and rebel against God's word because we expect that when we decide to change, do we expect his forgiveness? That there will be forgiveness. Do we expect that? Do we take God's grace for granted? disobeying, being disobedient to his word. When we make up our minds and say, God, I'm going to follow you today or next week because we expect God to understand and say, you are forgiven. Must be careful, church. See, we bring our own expectations of what it means for Jesus having authority over our lives and in our hearts. We have our own expectations of that. Maybe we focus more on Jesus being our Savior instead of Lord and King over our lives. Let us examine, church. And the people of Jerusalem... They had hope, the hope of a savior. So Palm Sunday turned into a day of praise because the people had great expectations of Jesus, church. A day of praise. So a day of praise it is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The king is here. The king is here. The long-awaited Messiah has come to save us. Hosanna, Hosanna. It says that those who went before him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Another translation says it like this. The whole multitude of his disciples, meaning not only the 12, but everyone who was a follower of Jesus was praising God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. They welcomed him as he entered into Jerusalem and began to rejoice. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in Hebrew church means save us. Means save us. Again, they were praising God for Jesus because he was prophesied. It was prophesied that the true, the true Messiah and Savior would be riding on a donkey, a coat, into the holy city of Jerusalem. They were praising God because of what they seen. So they knew, they knew that this must be the one. They knew that this must be the Savior, the Messiah, because they had great expectations of Jesus. How many of you know that some were welcoming Jesus had the wrong expectations of Jesus? The people that were praising God for Jesus, throwing their cloaks out, waving the palm branches, thanking God for giving them a king, had the wrong idea about Jesus. Remember, the word Hosanna means save us, save us. The crowd had a different idea about the meaning of salvation than Jesus, than Jesus. They expected him, church, to be a national leader, a social activist, a political leader. These were their expectations of Jesus, for, them, for him to restore Israel to his former glory. These were their expectations of Jesus waving the palm branches and laying out what we call the red carpet. They failed to understand the purpose of Jesus coming into the world to bring salvation, spiritual salvation to rule in our hearts to rule in our hearts so we must ask ourselves did we did we accept Jesus into our hearts to be transformed to be set free from the bondage of sin or to not go to hell We must ask ourselves. See, when Jesus did not fulfill these people's expectations, they later betrayed him. They later betrayed him. We must ask ourselves, when we are disobedient to the word of God, when we choose to go our way, instead of his way, we must remind ourselves that we are also betraying Jesus. We are also betraying Jesus. And now a day of praise, a day of praise turned into a week of betrayal. A week of betrayal. The beginning of the end. The beginning 
of the end of Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. A week of celebration, a week that turned into betrayal, church. Betrayal. We know that Jesus knew that entering into this week, he would also be fulfilling the prophecy of his death. Of his death. As we look back at Mark 10, 32 through 34, Jesus foretells his own death. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was, what was going to happen to him. He's saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, hallelujah, he will rise. Jesus also knew that the betrayal was in motion. He knew that the betrayal was in motion. When he entered into the temple on that Monday, when he entered into the temple on that Monday, the day after Palm Sunday, he entered the temple and he cleared it out. He cleared it out. And Jesus knew that those religious leaders wouldn't agree with it. Wouldn't agree with it. Jesus was taking his authority, church. He was taking his authority. Mark eleven fifteen. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who brought in the temple. And he overturned tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus entered the temple to teach and, and restore it to its purpose. The purpose of the temple was a place of prayer for all nations, all people. This temple wasn't about making a profit off of God's people, church. As some was doing. It wasn't about merchandising the grace of God. They had made the temple a marketplace. A marketplace. The house of God, a marketplace. They made their church, so to speak, a marketplace. A marketplace. That's what made Jesus so mad. That's what made Jesus so mad. Even though he was angry, he didn't see him. He kicked over a couple of tables and chairs. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> but he didn't see him. He didn't see him. See, the, the temple was called the court of the Gentiles. The only place where people 
of other nations who were not Jewish could go and pray and worship and worship. Jesus says they have made it a den of robbers. May we ask God that we see the things that we do. That we may ask him the things that are not pleasing to him in our lives that we do. Because it's like betrayal. Ask God to lead us on the path of righteousness and holiness. The Bible calls us to be holy. A lot of people don't like to use that word holy, but we are called to be holy. We are called to be pure. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are capable. We are capable. Allow God. Ask him, God, what is I'm doing that's not pleasing to you? Check us, God. Check us. Check me, God. Check me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. This sets the stage of a betrayal that would lead to the cross, church. The story of Jesus. Mark 11, 18. Jesus turned chairs and tables over. And now Mark 11 says this. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. See, they got wind of Jesus showing out in that temple. They got wind of him kicking those tables and chairs over. The chief priest mostly was the Sadducees, the wealthy class, the Jewish political leaders. And one of their beliefs, church, was there was no resurrection and no uh, life after death. And the scribes, they were mostly the Pharisees, the expert teachers of the law. And they, the law was their authority. The law was their authority. And normally these two groups did not get along. They did not get along. But Jesus was causing a real problem. Jesus was causing a real problem for them. Jesus set himself in authority. He set himself in authority above all of the religious leaders. They didn't take it kindly to that. He was undermining their authority in that temple. Undermining it when he kicked over those tables and chairs. See, they didn't want to kill Jesus because he was nice. They didn't want to kill Jesus because he was uh, helping the weak, uh, feeding the poor. No. They wanted to kill Jesus because he challenged their false religious concepts and the practices they held to. That's why they wanted to kill him. He was performing great miracles of healing, and he refused to answer a lot of their questions, their trick questions that frustrated them. And plus, everyone loved their te his teaching besides them. Jesus taught with authority and great power that put the people in awe, and they didn't like it. They thought their, their law was good. So the religious leaders agreed that Jesus should die. 
they agreed that Jesus should die. So they began to plot to kill him. They began to plot. But Jesus was so popular that they was afraid that if they plot to kill Jesus in the opening, that the crowd would turn against them. So they had to do it in secret. They had to do it in secret. So now we come to the betrayal of Jesus. The betrayal of Jesus. We know that later in that week, in the upper room, Jesus gathered his disciples and prepared himself and them for his death. For his death. He gave the meal of the loaf of bread and the cup of wine representing his body soon to be crucified. Sacrifice his blood soon to be shed. We know that the meal was known as the last supper. The last supper. Where Jesus predicted his betrayal, church. He predicted his betrayal. They were gathered at the table, and Jesus told the disciples, Truly, I say to you, one of you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. And we know that to be Judas. One of the 12 apostles who disclosed Jesus' whereabouts for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. But Judas, he wasn't the only betrayal. He wasn't the only betrayal. Then Jesus tells Peter, he tells Peter, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times, three times. And then it says, but he, Peter, said emphatically, emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. All of the disciples said the exact. Same thing. Peter was emphatic. See, it's easy for us to be devoted to Jesus when life is good, church. It's easy for us to be devoted to Jesus when life is good. And that's only meaningful until persecution comes. Until persecution and trials and tribulations come. How strong is your faith? How strong is your faith, church? Will it stand up under intense trials and persecution? Will it? Will we deny Jesus when those times come? May we pray for faith that can endure all things. May we pray for the faith that can endure all things, church. And just as Jesus said, Peter ended up denying him three times. And the betrayal continued. The betrayal continued. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd 
armed with swords and clubs, sent, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayal had arranged a signal with them. He arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. That's what he said. The one I kiss, that's the one you want to get. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Verse 47, but one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they left, they left him and fled. And they left him and fled. The kiss of betrayal. The kiss of betrayal. What's, what's the name of the song? You smile in your face and all the time you want to take my place. The backstabbers. The backstabbers. The kiss of betrayal. Satan wants to take the place of Jesus in our lives. Satan wants to be your savior. Satan wants to be your master. Just as Judas betrayed Jesus, Satan will Betray us if we let them. See, Satan will present that beautiful fruit just like any other. The same. Until you bite in it. Until you go for it. And then you find out it's poison. Then you die spiritually. You die spiritually. Oh, yeah, you'll still be walking around, doing what you want to do. But you'll be dead inside. Die spiritually. Be aware. Be aware. Jesus says, you come out against me as a robber? You come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs? And day after day you was with me in the temple. And you did nothing. But now you come at me. Now, when it's dark, you think no one's around. Now. You come at me. He's basically calling them cowards. Calling them cowards. See, the enemy likes to attack when he thinks we're not aware. So be careful. Be careful. Always be watchful. Watchful. As Jesus was watchful that night, as Jesus was watchful and aware, Scripture tells us, that while the disciples were sleeping, he was up and praying. Jesus told the disciples this. This was the time to watch and pray. Because he knew the enemy was coming. He knew the enemy was coming. And Jesus says, but let scripture be fulfilled. 
basically, they not know who I am. And they not know what they do. Because just hours before that, the disciples told Jesus that they would die before they leave him. But they fled. It got tough and they left. Hours before that, they said, we would never leave you, Jesus. We would die with you. But they fled. They left. In spite of all they heard and seen with Jesus, the moment of truth came and they left. The moment of truth came to their front door and they left Jesus standing. And they left him, church. See, when we feel safe in our surroundings, we tend to let our guard down. And we feel that anything that comes against us, we're able to handle. Until that moment. Until that moment arrives, church. See, the disciples trusted Jesus just as we trust Jesus, right? But their trust came and went with, with what they saw and heard. They trusted Jesus, but as soon as they seen something that scared them or heard something that they had fear of, they left. They left. They left. Their faith was weak. Their faith was weak. This is why the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because the things of this world could shake us to the core. Could shake us to the core. And if we're not strong in our faith, we will scatter too. We'll scatter too. We'll forget all about the Lord. We'll forget all about Jesus. Stand strong in our faith, church. As long as Jesus was in control, they were fine. They were fine. But when those circumstances changed, it showed the weakness of their faith. The weakness of their faith, church. I tell you, hardships will open our eyes to our true character. Will open our eyes to our true character, our true faith. Our real faith. We can holler and shout Jesus all day long when there's no, uh, no trouble. But when trouble comes, will we still holler and shout Jesus? Will we still believe that he's with us at all times as our Savior? That he knows what's going on? That he will never leave us nor forsake us? So we stand strong in our faith and not cower in our faith, not betray Jesus as some in this day had practiced. And now we head to the cross. Now we head to the cross. We know that Jesus is arrested and now he faces a religious trial conducted by the high priest. And then we have Peter's denial of Jesus in Mark 14, 66. It says this, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, 
you also was with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. Saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean, man. I don't know. <laughs> and he went outside into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. Just as Jesus predicted. Just as Jesus predicted. See, Peter denied Jesus with words. But we, if we're not careful, can deny Jesus without saying anything. We can deny him just with our actions. What we do and what we don't do. Denying Jesus. And now Jesus is condemned by the Jewish religious council and he's sent to Pilate for the final verdict. For the final verdict. Just as he predicted. And we end today, church, in Mark 15, 12 through 20. Jesus has been uh, betrayed, arrested, lied on. Now, the trial, and it says, And Pilate again said to them, Then what should I do? with the man you call the king of Jews. King of the Jews. And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. Now those people who were shouting, crucify. What the same people, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, that was waving the palm branches, welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, throwing their cloaks in his path. The same people that had those great expectations of who they thought Jesus was. The betrayal. The betrayal. Now Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Jews. And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd. That's a form of betrayal itself. Knowing he hadn't done anything. Released them, released from them Barnabas, which Barnabas was a true murderer. But they released him. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion of, of soldiers lined up around Jesus and they clothed them in purple cloak twisting together thorns the crown of thorns squeezing blood from his head they put it on him and they began to salute him to mock him hail 
king of the Jews. This is your king that y'all so much praise. This is your king. Look at your king now. Look at your king now. And they were striking his head, kneeling down in homage to him. In homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak. They put it on him and ripped it right off of him. And they put his own clothes on him and they let him out to crucify him. To crucify him. This is Jesus, our Savior. I can't tell you what it's really about. I really want you to search for yourselves what this week means. Because it has to be personal. It has to be personal. Jesus went through this in a week. More than any of us will ever go through in our life. In our life. Remember what Jesus endured. But mostly, church, mostly is why. Is why he endured it. Why? The story is not over. So next week, I, I challenge, this week, I challenge all of us as we prepare to close to search through, to study the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem all the way through the crucifixion. You can read one per day. Make it personal. Make it personal. And next week we'll find out why Jesus went through all. As a humble king, as a humble savior that will shed his blood to be hung on the cross, to be mocked by those who claimed they loved him, to be betrayed by a brother, by a brother close with him daily, every day of his life. Let us search for the reason why within our own hearts. Let's not just say why. Let us read and let the word soak into our hearts. And I guarantee you, you'll understand why you love Jesus so much. And why we celebrate Jesus so much. So much. Let us stand in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word, Father. Father, I pray that you bring about understanding to our hearts, God. That only your word can bring about, God. That even though we can stand and bring forth your word, God, that we need to read your word for ourselves, God. We need to study your word, God. 
Allow your word to just seed into our hearts and to our minds. The reason that we study your word is to be transformed. May your word transform our lives and our hearts, God. God, I pray that if there is anyone at the sound of my voice that does not know Lord Jesus as Savior, that they welcome him into their hearts today. Not tomorrow, today. As the Bible tells us, today is the day of salvation. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Let our hearts answer the call. In Jesus' name, these altars are open.